This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Bring it on, bring it on. Touchdown, Saban Collins. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Alignment and assignment. Never more important than this edition of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation because it is multimedia. Danny, your camera's right there. Okay, there you go. Uh, I'm apparently on this camera. Darren, uh, to be determined. I guess you just, you know, you have the benefit of both at any moment as uh, we are recording not only the audio but the video, which will be posted to YouTube TV. Darren gets both cameras because both sides are his good side. There you go. And um, let me just say there are do's and don'ts, okay? At no point do we have product placement like the Angry Bird Award here. I mean, you know, that's just uh, that's just not good good ball right now, you know? Or maybe the winner's trophy, which might be awarded towards the end of this edition of Cardinals Underground. At no point are we going poly props with any sort of product placement whatsoever. Okay, Danny? Whatever you say, Paul. Although everyone can see uh, how exactly you configure your sweatshirt for finally people can <laughs> see o- only on YouTube. Again, yeah. some people might be consuming this yeah. the old-fashioned way, yeah. and then they won't be able to see. Well, it. today That's I've right. got like a hair clip in, so it would just be a lot of work yeah. to like take that out and put the sweatshirt on over my head and then refix everything. So I this see. this this works. By the way, before we get into the Seattle game, the Seattle road trip, uh, was there or was there not the Sushi Palooza event? Yes. On the Saturday night. There was. I you, had a, you chose not to come. Well, I, I had a, another assignment, a prior engagement. Uh, I was on assignment, let's put it that way, with our old uh, radio producer, Yoda. Oh, yeah, that's right, Yoda. Uh, in the inst town of Seattle. So uh, we were out there. So how did it go? How, how did it, let me just cut to the chase. Was Grayson there? Was Grayson there? Grayson was there. Okay. And ate copious, copious amounts of sushi, as usual. For those who don't know, what did we compare our metabolism to last year? I think it was a hummingbird. No. No, that can't be right, is it? This year, this year, I think we're going to compare her metabolism to cocaine bear. <laughs> that would be the 2023 comparison. <laughs> I mean, never have you seen someone... That better be clipped for gray. Defy Are the, you allowed to say that? <laughs> no, you've, you've never seen someone defy the scouting report like Grayson. I mean, There's a reason her nickname is Fat Gray, and she doesn't look anything no, like that. No, it's just the opposite, you know? So, anyway... I'm oh, just I'm curious. Start calling her cocaine bear. That's good. Awesome. You probably shouldn't. Yeah, I probably shouldn't. But. At All least right. not in the hallways <laughs> where people can hear you. <laughs> no, we have actual news that we're going to get to here right off the top. Okay, and 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 we'll since we're all waiting on Kyler, we'll wait to talk about Kyler. Let's deal with front That's burner funny. right here, right now. Zach Ertz, IR. Yes. Okay. Did you see that one coming? I did not. No, that was a little surprising to me. I don't. I wonder at what point he got hurt in the game. It's a quad injury that placed him on IR. Right. I don't know. I mean, obviously it was at some point, but I he did, was playing it up until the yeah, very end, wasn't he? I did not see anything on the sideline. In fact, the most memorable thing I saw, really, other than football itself, for Zach Ertz, was in a 
Oh, I really hesitate to mention this because I don't want to give any glory or credit whatsoever to the sign guy over in the corner. And I really ignored the sign guy in Seattle almost the entirety of the game. But walking off the field, I couldn't help but notice, okay, I took a quick glance. My eyes went over there, and the sign read, Taylor Swift would never date Zach Ertz. And, you know, pregame, I was over there when Zach Ertz was running off, and he made a comment because every sign is intentionally misspelled. There's one word that is wrong, and that was Zach Ertz's punch back at the guy. I was like, you can't even spell. So I don't know that he really liked Well, the actually, signs. you know who did like the sign? Julie Ertz. <laughs> That's good. So, okay, there's that. Um, there's Kayvon Wallace. Show of hands again. Who saw that coming as Kayvon Wallace was released? Yeah, Kayvon Wallace had played. Now, in the five games Buddha missed, it's understandable. But in the five games Buddha was out, Kayvon Wallace played 100% of the defensive snaps. Played zero defensive snaps against the Seahawks as Buddha came back and now is gone. So that was pretty interesting. So is that because Jalen Thompson is coming back? Dot, dot, dot. We don't know the answer to that. Yeah, but if Is see, that because Garrett Williams is now in the rotation as a nickel slash safety? See, that would be, unless it's something untoward, which I I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing this is strictly football, that it's, it's, would be less about Jalen Thompson for me because Kayvon Wallace was on this roster before Jalen and Buddha got hurt. If you're talking about, okay, now Garrett Williams is back and he's been working with as a nickel and a safety, that makes more sense to me. Um, and eventually, although I don't think it's this week, Danny, uh, you'll need a roster spot for Kyler. But gotcha. now there is a roster spot, which I wasn't going to bring up because Paul said we were going to wait to talk about Kyler Murray. Sorry. No, Sometimes things flow. We're getting there. We're getting there, okay? So, all right, there's that. And then Blake Whitehart has been elevated to yes. the active roster to as active tight end. From the, from the practice yeah. squad, which makes sense. Yeah. They want four, four tight ends on the roster. Regardless of injury or not, dare we say Trey McBride is tight end one right now. Oh, I don't yes. think there's any. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I think oh, you say regardless, regardless of, of injury. Even if Zach Ertz was a hundred percent healthy, Trey McBride is tight end one. He's playing going, like going it. into week eight. He's playing. I like think it. there's a difference. He's playing like it. I still think you would be starting and starting Zach Ertz and keeping the snaps relatively close, which is the most we've seen from Trey McBride. Is that maybe he's had the most snaps? It's still been pretty close to Zach Ertz. It was thirty-five, thirty-five this past weekend. Interesting. What did we say last week in Cardinals Underground? That Trey McBride's the only tight end on this roster who's not going down on first contact, who's actually breaking tackles. and then he Or hurdling them. Yeah, and then he ripped off that gallop complete with a hurdle. So, you know what? Obviously, he's only in year two. And his production was sporadic in year one. We'll leave it at that. But there definitely appears to be upside in Trey McBride's game. So... Without Zach Ertz, guess what? Flex him out. Get him downfield. Get him a bunch of targets. Let's see what he can do. Get him the ball in space, for Pete's sake. He's making dudes miss. He's running guys over. That would be one thing. You know, Paulie Pigskin, the Calvisi Consulting over here, I would say, A, Trey McBride feature him more. B, just stink and throw it to Michael Wilson at this point. Even if he's covered, he's open. He's strong enough at the point of attack. He's big enough. Just throw him the dang ball at this point. And then number three... After watching Hollywood Brown, I didn't watch the film, but just field level, I kept half an eye on Hollywood Brown most of that game. In most of that game, he was schooling Tariq Woolen, who was a Pro Bowl cornerback last year. I think Hollywood Brown's having a really good season. The numbers aren't going to say it because, as we've talked about before, it hasn't necessarily connected with Josh Dobbs enough. 
But this guy is playing good football. And big picture, for a guy that's going to have his contract run out, he's going to be expensive if you want to keep him around. I mean, if I'm a GM, you're getting towards trade deadline, Halloween, October 31st. If I'm a GM and you're looking at Hollywood Brown's numbers so far this year, like, okay, watch the film. He's consistently open. He's consistently beating some of the better corners in the game. He's getting separation. He's getting behind secondaries. So when you're talking about a Cardinals offense that over the last 10 quarters has scored just 25 points, as we purposely let that hang in the air, you know, if you can somehow just get some chemistry with Hollywood Brown and somehow make that connection work, man, would that go a long way towards benefiting this offense. I'm wondering at this point, when Hollywood Brown is deep and he's creating enough space, is the problem chemistry or is it accuracy? Are we seeing what we can see of Josh Dobbs? It's not necessarily trying to knock on him, right? But the speed and the distance that Hollywood Brown has, somebody like Kyler, where we've seen that long, accurate deep ball, that connection has been there before. Maybe it's not so much just about chemistry and maybe just about the connection and and what you can truly get out of the connection with Dobbs and Brown. Well, you didn't even include protection, which... I think that's a major problem right now. You, it's going to be tough to throw a ball 20 yards downfield to any receiver if you don't have time to do it. Now, I know I, I thought Josh Dobbs looked off at the beginning of the game. He had some accuracy issues, but he was absolutely running for his life most of the game too. I mean, look, there are two ways you can shut down an offense that might have a ton of weapons. Number one, poor O-line play. Right, your offense is going nowhere. I don't care if you have three Pro Bowl receivers and a Pro Bowl running back. If you got a bad offensive line, it's not going to work. And then number two, an inaccurate quarterback. If you have a quarterback who can't connect with all these weapons, then that obviously is going to be too much of a barrier to overcome. Although in some regards, and look, I only have a finite amount of questions at the end of the game in the radio interview, and I'll write down questions in my notebook over the course of the game. The first question I wrote down was in the first quarter. And I put AZO dash confusion question mark. And then I put in there receivers breaking the huddle, going to the wrong side of the formation, scrambling. Oh, wait, they're left. No, you're supposed to be on the right. And then even Kyle Vandenbosch brought it up. He went back and watched the game. Two receivers five yards from each other. You know, what was the grouping? What was the, you know, the route structures? It just seemed like some things were off. And in a world where the quarterback gets too much of the credit, takes too much of the blame, I'd love to get Josh Dobbs in a trust tree and find out, was everyone in the right place at the right time? I wrote that down, too. I know exactly what play you're talking about. It was Hollywood Brown, who wasn't lined up where he was needing to be because it was Michael Wilson that was yelling at him, telling him to get outside. How many illegal shift penalties did the Cardinals have? It was a problem on Sunday. And we haven't seen a lot of that this year. Not at all. No, you. uh, overall, I mean... I can't think of any part of the past game that I'm like, okay, that that was okay, unless we're going to go back to Trey McBride a couple of times he caught the ball. But, like, the protection wasn't really there. Josh Dobbs wasn't really there. You mentioned the receivers having some troubles. And this is why you're you're sitting here with, what, 30 points in the second half and seven points in the fourth quarter all season. I'm like, my my big takeaway from that game was ultimately we can talk about the run game and I think their run game has been better than I expected this year and, and it was pretty decent on Sunday all things considered when you add in what Rondale Moore can do and what Josh Dobbs can do but to me and I'm not coming off of this yes you need a defense yes you need a run game 
if you can't pass in this league, you're not winning jack. And that was they they took a step back pass wise against Seattle, and some of that was Seattle, and some of that was not Seattle. Yeah. Well, the longest Josh Dobbs completion in that Seattle loss, twenty to ten, was twenty one yards, and it was on the final possession. Whereas the next gen stats say Geno Smith, who didn't have a great game, but on his pass attempts of twenty or more yards, he was five of six for a buck twenty nine and two touchdowns. Oof. But but again, that took. That took a miracle. Well, that I, I don't know if it was twenty yards in the air, but the touchdown to uh, Bobo. They counted that as just you and, know because he's throwing it from deep in the pocket. That's more a freaking miracle catch. And then he had a twenty-plus yard touchdown pass to a guy that the Cardinals decided not to cover at all. Yep. So it's kind of easier to yeah. complete passes. But to your point earlier, glad about, you found that humorous, there, Danny. About the second half woes on offense. Yes, they have been outscored this season, one hundred four to thirty in the second half so and in this four game losing streak it's 57 to 12 so and it's even worse in the fourth quarter yeah 67 to 7 this season in the fourth quarter so is that talent eventually deciding things in the nfl and by the time you get to the second half in the fourth quarter guess what talent eventually ultimately wins out is that just attrition you know the cardinals roster as constructed coming out of camp, the first string on both sides of the ball, okay, pretty competitive. Once you start getting into the second and third string because of injuries, not so much. Doesn't it feel, though, when you're seven games in that you would almost fall bass backwards into more than seven points in the fourth quarter? You said that so smoothly. Thank you very much. Yes, you would think that, you know, somehow, we some way. We want to remain PG yeah. here on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so, look, I mean, so what's realistic now? before Kyler, and before we talk about Kyler, what is realistic with Josh Dobbs at quarterback? Because from weeks two through four, and we've gone through it every single week ever since, he was pretty dang effective, and he was getting better, and there was a passer rating around 100, and he was finding receivers, and the completion percentage was good enough to keep you in the game and even win a game against Dallas. But the last three games, a passer rating against Cincinnati, 57.6, against the Rams, 58.5, and against Seattle, 68.5. And from what I could tell, especially in the second half, Seattle just stopped blitzing him. They said, why? Dude can run. He, he can make guys miss. He's not going out of bounds. He doesn't hesitate to try and break arm tackles. He saw all of the above on the 25-yard touchdown run. So why blitz a Josh Dobbs? We're going to rush three or four and drop seven or eight, and let's see if he can get that ball into tight windows. I feel like some of the mistakes from Dobbs have been, it seems like he's trying to force things. It feels like the interceptions. I know the one in the end zone was negated because of a roughing the passer penalty in Seattle, so they lucked out there. And in a wild turn of events of DJ Humphreys getting disqualified from the game, the Cardinals turned around and scored with a 25-yard touchdown run by Dobbs. But I feel like a lot of the mistakes just, just seem like Dobbs is trying to force it, whether that is the passes are being thrown behind his receiver or he's throwing clearly into trouble. Or there have been multiple times the last two games where you can see two receivers running similar routes, but, you know, 10 or so yards in between them and the ball is ending up in the middle of them you can't even tell who Dobbs is targeting and then when you have those troubles paired with a lack of production in the run game not having James Conner that's not going to have a lot of success when you look at the number sure the numbers might not seem like a heavy drop-off of this running backs by committee approach compared to when you have James Conner 
the production is not the same. The run game is just, it's its not the same without Connor. And, and there's a reason that Josh Dobbs is the only person finding the end zone with his legs. There's a reason that your second leading rusher behind Amari Mercado this week was Josh Dobbs. Your third leading rusher, Rondale Moore. He's, he's kind of a running back. Which I don't days. have a problem with Rondale Moore or Josh Dobbs using their legs and, yeah. and getting you yards. I have a problem with the fact that the rest of your running back's room well, is not even competing to... I shouldn't say competing, is not even close to having those types of numbers. Uh, the thing I noticed, like the 25-yard touchdown run, that was a pass that he just scrambled on and ran up the field. It feels like the last two to three games, and, and you guys can disagree if you think, but I feel like the play-action game is not fooling people nearly as much as it was, especially the either the read option or the but I feel like teams are staying home a lot more on Josh Dobbs than they were the first month of the season and it you can kind of tell and I think that is hurt a little bit or are they not respecting the play action game as much minus James Conner could that be it are the linebackers less apt to suck up and actually Maybe. respect it but I, and it's when an honest I, question. When I don't some know. Of these, I, I also think some of this is just you. They're making sure that there's one guy's eyes on Dobbs, knowing that he yeah. could keep the ball, yeah. and we we can't get Micah Parsons. Yeah. He said he said against Cincinnati there was a spy on him at times. Remember he talked about that, and then we asked him how easy is that to determine and discern if there's a spy on you. He said, yeah, if there's one guy just standing there in the middle of the field staring at you like Michael Myers on Halloween, that was his quote, not ours. He said that's it's, a good quote. It's pretty obvious. I mean, he is a good quote. There's no doubt about it. But if you don't have a James Conner out there, then, of course, the play action isn't going to be as effective. In fact, I don't think it's even been used nearly as much. Cardinals were number one in play action percentage through the first five weeks of the season, and they've fallen off quite a bit each of the last two games. So, you know, not only do you lose a two-time Pro Bowl running back, but you kind of lose the identity of your offense in some ways, minus James Conner. And so as that trickle-down effect really impacted Josh Dobbs more than we ever anticipated. You, know, you can put Amari DiMercato in there, and guess what? For an undrafted rookie, okay. I mean, he's a patient runner. He's waiting for his blocks to develop. He's stoking it. He's not apt to try and extend a run and try and make something happen that's not there and take a loss. He'll take his three to five yards and be content with that and, and make sure you stay ahead of the chains. But it's all those other things that don't show up in the box score that maybe the Cardinals are really missing minus James Conner. I'm sure it'll be similar to the Buda Baker return in the sense that when Kyler Murray returns, they can help take away a lot of the problems. It's not going to completely fix everything. That's what I would imagine Kyler Murray's return will have. You'll see a fix in, in a lot of these aspects of the offense, probably a few weeks into Murray being back and playing of really getting comfortable with the scheme, but it's not going to fix everything. It's not going to fix the protection not going to fix so the receivers aren't getting open danny's trying to segue again to kyler and again we're or to, saying or, no. to, or to buddha we're going to so, so yeah let's take the buddha segue we on big red rage Keontae ingram told us thursday night he knew buddha was back when he laid a big hit on Corey clement in practice i think it was that thursday last week he, lay, he just came up and laid the lumber on Corey Clement. Maybe just sort of to test drive things in terms of a full contact. Let's hit the scout team Did he running tell back. Corey ahead of time? I don't know. I, don't, I, I wanted to run into Corey and ask him, like, okay, what was that all about? But uh, that's, I guess that's probably life as a scout team running back, right? I don't know. But, yeah, Buddha played every single snap, right? And yes. guess what? The communication is always better when Buddha is out there. and They seem much more buttoned up and – 
It just didn't seem like they were chasing the play as much. What did Nick Rollins say going into the game? One thing that had to be better on defense was we had to stay ahead of the motions, that the Bengals and the Rams had gotten the Cardinals secondary on some of the motions and those cheat motions and whatever else you want to throw out there. It's the whole Sean McVay tree. You go from Zach Taylor to Shane Waldrop, right, and Waldron and Seattle. It's all part of the same tree. They all coached with Sean McVay. So, But it seemed like this week they were much better and, and just the alignment and assignment uh, of the secondary, and I'm guessing a lot of that had to do with Baker. Well, I don't disagree with that. It was interesting that I think they had a season-high five guys play all 100% of the defensive snaps, and Josh Woods only missed like 10, maybe 8. So he was in there almost the entire time too. And and when you take into account that three of those, they're, they're using defensive linemen and outside linebackers who they rotate all the time, you're, you're basically – you're keeping the same unit on there. You're not having, you're not moving guys in and out. So it's, I mean, that just kind of tells me, okay, do you want to get more into a settled place where both your cornerbacks are playing all the time and both your safeties are playing all the time? And if you bring in a nickel guy, it's Garrett Williams now, and and you you just keep it more settled rather than trying to get multiple people in there. Before the game, Rollis called Buda Baker last week an eliminator. He doesn't just do his job having him out on the field, eliminates a lot of the other problems for the defense really in the secondary because of how much ground Baker covers. We saw that. There was there was a tackle, I think it was early on, maybe in the first quarter, where there was a guy running out close close to um, being out of bounds, and, and Buddha just showed up out of nowhere, and he was the one to tackle him and, and take him out of bounds. And that's what you have from Buddha. And talking to Garrett Williams after the game, talking to Kaiser White, this week of hearing their their perspectives of how having Buddha out there really does impact their game. And Kaiser said, I know that if I miss a tackle, they're not getting much further because Buddha's going to be right there to wrap them up. Well, I've told Buddha and Jalen Thompson, one thing I always take away from August from preseason games are what it looks like when those two are not out there. Unfortunately, Cardinals have had to play regular season games without those two guys. Multiple regular season games without them. Yeah, it was the first time. I didn't know this either until last week. And it might have been you on easycardinals.com pointed out this first time he's ever been on IR, Buda Baker, in oh, his yeah. career. I mean, well, he never misses because any Because think games. about it. He didn't miss any games until he missed the last two last year. Well, he missed that one game week four yeah, at Carolina like, a couple of years ago. I mean, and he the just defense didn't miss looked, games. Yeah, it was so. discombobulated, the whole thing. So did the defense play well enough? For the Cardinals to beat Seattle. Yes. Yes. Right? Then you, you win the turnover battle, 3 nothing. That, that's my other favorite stat of the week that I looked up. You get three since, points off three turnovers? Since 1970, the merger. The okay. famous merger right. that Danny doesn't really know about because she, that was so far beyond. My parents were, it was way before my parents even knew each other okay. existed. 1970 merger, AFL, NFL. So this is where we're going back to. They're, they're, I, I don't know if this includes last week, last week's games. 2,925 NFL games where one team has had a plus three or better turnover ratio. Okay. The teams with a plus three had won 91.3% of the time. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Darren said that, by the way. You can tell, once again, on camera, you can tell he has no notes, as opposed to me, where I got stuff everywhere. So, uh, you know, that separates. That's next level by Darren Thank right there, much. coming up with... Uh, oh, I, that's, I wasn't going to humble yeah. brag that, but I appreciate no, you throwing no, that out you there. Know, and you can violate our rule, no math, anytime when you're bringing knowledge like that. 91% of the games, teams have been plus three in the turnover category and since won. 1970. They have won those games, 91%. Out of, of the out of 2,900 games, wow. 2,925. Wow. I yeah. mean, it's not a small yeah. sample size. Yeah. 
Okay, so let's ask the tough question. Between now and when Kyler gets back, and we'll get to it, Danny, Kyler Murray, um, do you worry about the defense? Do you worry about everyone who's not on offense? Because we've seen teams divided in years past if one side of the ball is struggling and the other side feels like they're carrying an inordinate amount of the weight. I would say no, because it feels like everybody truly is on the same page with the culture that's being set in this new staff and in the first year. If you had asked me this maybe last year when the team was made up of longtime veterans, um, it, it didn't really feel like you were having to prove yourself in the same way of whether that's the staff that was here or the having so many veterans here and, and so much of the turnover from that team having success recently. I would say, yeah, that would probably be a concern. I don't see that now. It doesn't feel like we're getting a bunch of baloney when the players are talking at the podium or in front of their locker talking about morale has not dropped. It really does seem genuine. It really does seem genuine that people have bought in to what this staff is giving them. And I think, too, there have been times where the offense has played well enough to win, and it's been on the defense oh. more so earlier on in the year. It, this this isn't a situation where the defense is balling out and it's the offense just completely dropping the ball. I mean, the defense is playing well enough, but but it's not so completely lopsided in my mind to where you would have any sort of riff in the locker room. I, I was going to be a little more succinct than that. Okay, say, go ahead. Was giant. that necessary? No, it wasn't. It was mean, actually. So now we're back on YouTube, and all of a sudden, Darren's just... We're back. We were never on YouTube. Sorry. So um, now we're on YouTube, and all of a sudden, Darren's just... Yeah. Um, Darren just does, say, not, does not earn a trophy for that. The, the, uh, <laughs> I would just say, if I'm, uh, if I'm on the offense, I'm like, uh, the, the, the Giants game? The 49ers game? Yeah, like, true. It's no, true. There, yeah, I, right. I, I don't think there's a rift just because of the last part of what Danny said. Mostly, I, I agree. I agree that I think this team is built better to withstand that. But I also believe like there's been plenty of issues with the defense at different times. That there's no way you can you could take the moral high ground at this point. Can I also say there would be zero tolerance for that sort of dynamic? And that's that, also true. A number of players where you've wondered, man, why is that guy no longer a part of the Arizona Cardinals roster and no longer in uniform or in the locker room? Well, maybe look beyond just the football performance aspect because they're building something that goes beyond the field. And if you don't fit uh, the mold of what they're looking for in the locker room, then you won't be around very long. And, and, and to answer that, to fill in the blank, I think they're just looking for Players who are deadly serious about the game of football. Not only that, every team will tell you they are looking for high-character players. Does every team mean that in the sense that they truly value that and that is a high priority for them? No. That's that's fine. That's not the case here. It truly is a high priority to have the right type of person, the right type of player, and I don't mean that in the sense of your technique on the field. Rather, what you're saying, Paul, is that passion to play the game and play it with a team mentality. What about what about in this podcast room? Is this is are we just paying lip service to high character? You don't dare. I mean, truly, you were just putting on a show for the cameras. My goodness. Look, as soon as the red light goes on, Darren brings it. So who cares? What, first of all, who cares what he does the other six days of the week? As long all, as the performance is there on game day. This has nothing to do with cameras because I would say similar things every other podcast. Fine. I think he's a little triggered because he doesn't have his own camera, Danny. 
that could be it. That could be it. You do, and I do. You know, I I can tell you right now. There were, he writes down these notes, and I don't know if there's so much show notes as demands. I think they're demands. I think yeah, one of if he really got into his phone, there'd be one. I need my own camera, and that's going to be taken up with Jim Omohundro at the end of this edition of Cardinals Underground. We'll see about that. We'll see if there's one here next week. Then you know I'm right. Which sidebar? Um, did you notice on the bus ride, because Oma pointed this out to me, oh, to the no. stadium, oh, no. there was a building, and it on the top of it, the letters, oh, yeah. it said oh, Pacific right. Office Automation. <laughs> and Oma points to me to look across the bus out the window, and I was like, yeah. oh my goodness. It's in Seattle. Yeah. Okay. There you go. You guys, you, we'll do a road trip. Why You guys buried the lead. You know, you should have <laughs> used that as the, uh, as the sponsor mentioned right off the top. So, okay. Uh, here we go. Kyler Murray in three, two... <laughs> Let me roll up my sleeves. You know how I know that Kyler is close to being back? Because I said so? Because I did, (laughs) as I did, an interview with Michael Wilson last week on the TV side, and he said at the end of the interview that Kyler had recently walked over to the receivers and said, when he's healthy, he's going to smoke almost all the receivers in a foot race. So that's how you know Kyler is back and the bravado and the confidence because he's right, other than Hollywood Brown, maybe Rondell Moore. He's probably the third fastest guy in the Okay, that wait room. a minute. That's only that's like half of the receiver. Right? You know what? I take back the Rondell Moore because Rondell Moore lost to Josh Dobbs on the next gen stats up on the up on the big board. He ran nineteen point two and Josh Dobbs ran nineteen point eight in the uh, Giants game, I think it was. So, you know, I take hey, that when back. When the cocaine bear is chasing you, you're gonna run faster. <laughs> that's right. Don't let Grayson into the race. So, uh Kyler, uh interesting to see. You know, for example, and I thought this was uh, an apt question by a media member earlier today. With Kyler Murray running the twos against the ones, isn't that a great look for your starting defense with Lamar Jackson coming to town? That if Kyler Murray... Now, if we're to believe what Jonathan Gannon tells the media that he's, quote, full go, then why not dial up some Lamar Jackson-esque plays... Because if there's one quarterback in the NFL who can match the athleticism of Lamar Jackson, it is Kyler Murray. This is very different, a very different challenge from the other mobile quarterbacks that this Cardinals defense has faced this year. There's just there's very few quarterbacks like Lamar in the league, and I would say that Kyler is one of them. When you look at the rest of the Ravens' offense, pretty stacked. And when you have a quarterback like Lamar who can beat you in almost every way, and I'm not just saying beat you as in the Cardinals, but every defense of he's got the arm strength, he's got the accuracy, he can get outside the pocket and extend plays, he can run. I mean, this is this is going to be a challenge for a Cardinals defense that, whether it's in the run or whether it's in the pass, it feels like one aspect of their defense has been picked on week after week. Lamar Jackson is what... We talked about Kyler Murray and the reason he was the number one pick in the draft is because Lamar Jackson is now, and I realize he was a 2019 MVP, but he is truly, genuinely a passing quarterback who can run, not a running quarterback who can pass. If that was the case with Kyler Murray, he would not have been the number one pick in the draft, but he was a passing quarterback who happens to run a 4-3. That's Lamar Jackson right now. That's what John Harbaugh has told the media recently that that's why he was so effective against Detroit, where they started that game leading 28 to nothing. They had four touchdowns before the Lions had a single first down. The total yards at one point was 325 to 13. Is that bad? <laughs> I mean, Lamar Jackson came out, well, he ended the game with a passer rating of 
Oh, so he wasn't perfect. Right. And so and, and, and here was the Mark Andrews quote, Scottsdale guy, quote, Today was lights out. Those two guys were elite. He meant Lamar Jackson and the new OC, Todd Monken, who apparently the play calling, the rest of the players said was just exceptional. And obviously the Lions got the brunt of that. They lost 38-6. to it's always been interesting every time this team has played Lamar Jackson. And I'm trying to – they played him in, what, 2017 or uh, 2020? It was week two of Kyler's rookie year. 2019. 2019. Remember that they were – Fitz in, had a huge game. Yet they were inside the five three times. Oh, yeah, and they kicked field goals. And field goals every time. And then after that, Cliff went for fourth down all the time. Um, yeah, that's true. I, but I, every time I watch them, I think to myself, okay, this, this guy is going to – crush them and trust me he played well that day but they were in that game oh yeah the cardinals had the ball with a chance to tie the game in the fourth quarter couldn't get anything going um but they were in that game and it it takes me all the way back not that they're the exact same kind of player but it takes me back to the times that the cardinals played michael vick's falcons and you know shutting that down to a certain extent it's weird because monken clearly has put the passing game more at the forefront of what the Ravens are doing last week. And the, and the Lions basically dared Jackson to beat them with his arm, and he said, okay, yep. and he did. Yeah. Well, John Harbaugh was saying that he obviously has crazy escapability, but instead of taking off and running, he's now extending the play, keeping his eyes downfield. So as he extends the play five, six, seven, eight seconds, it's impossible to cover that long. And now he, his accuracy is such that in six of seven games this year, he's completed 70-plus percent of his passes. And since the merger, once again, since the That's merger. 1970, Danny. Only Drew Brees in 2018 and Kirk Cousins in 2019 have started a season with that sort of accuracy that Lamar Jackson is showing right now. So again, you combine the athleticism with that sort of accuracy, and it's a lethal one-two punch. It's the exact reason why Kyler Murray was the number one pick in the draft, why he went to a Pro Bowl twice, Offensive Rookie of the Year, and I do remember that 2019 matchup. Darren, we went into that. How many times did we go into that game? Because it was Kyler's second game ever in the NFL. We're like, okay, this is the future of the NFL. Yes, we did. Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. So obviously it would be great to see both of them on the field at the same time. Who's to say we won't? Well, I don't know. You're right. We don't know for sure. Danny is not letting go because she so desperately wants to hold it over my head. Well, releasing Kayvon Wallace gives you a roster spot, does it not? It does. That is true. See, there's the way that sounded, and then there's the skeptical look on Darren's face that you can see on video. So it, it's there's there's look, two ways you, to translate. You, you that. didn't get to hear us on the radio uh, pregame on Sunday, Paul, but okay. uh, there might be some potential leverage that Danny has over myself and Craig Grealu and Paul. Oh. Hello. If, if Kyler comes back this week, okay. she's going to lord it over us. Forever and ever and ever. Forever and ever. Is yeah. this classified info? or no. are just, you that, us just that I think that there's a chance that Kyler comes back oh. this week against the Ravens. Wow. Okay. Right. So then Craig said that I'm the optimist. And that, I that's said, the title. I said she's crazy given. or something like that. <laughs> I well, just I think it's possible. I, I do. I okay. think if he is physically healthy enough. But wait, he is. The coach says great. he's full go. Check. Great. Mentally, if he feels like he can trust that knee and he can trust what he needs to do, why would you hold him 
if he feels ready and you have enough of the playbook at his disposal. Even though we're not going to be told because they don't want to give us give out any sort of competitive advantage, realistically, when you're talking about a learning curve, the things that are going to be new for Kyler Murray in his career, the scheme, obviously different types of plays, more play action, playing under center, you are likely going to have to ease those aspects into his game. Even if Kyler had started the year healthy, right? There's a chance that the plays at his disposal in week three or four would have been different from weeks one and two, just getting comfortable. If that's going to be the game plan, why, if he's ready, would you not play him now and, and just maybe have him in the shotgun a little bit more, right? Maybe don't have some, as many design run plays as you might in a few weeks and, and get him comfortable. I, I truly, nope. maybe maybe I'm delusional. Maybe it's the delusion kicking in because I kind of feel a little crazy that nobody else thinks it's even remotely possible that with all this going on, assuming that physically Kyler, his, his body and the soreness is doing okay and he feels ready, why am I why am I the crazy one that to think that Kyler Murray could play at State Farm Stadium this week? Look, one one conversation at And let's a time. just keep let's just keep about me being crazy Danny being to crazy this. Yeah, I and knew Kyler it. Murray coming I back for two separate things. I knew it. Um, Darren. <laughs> my my question is this and I and I I brought this I think I brought this up on the air Sunday. I'm not I don't remember exactly, but like my question becomes like Look, Josh Dobbs is a guy, we were just talking about him running the ball, right? He runs the ball completely different than Kyler does in in a way that's positive for the Cardinals. And with all due respect to Kyler, even before he suffered a major knee injury, like how many of the yards has Josh Dobbs picked up that Kyler would not have picked up because he would have gone down at first chance? Or not only that, right, but Dobbs extends plays and runs forward through the pocket. Right. How many times we've seen Kyler that's, roll out and go another, backwards for negative yardage. great example. So, I mean, I think, I think it goes beyond maybe knowing some plays. I think it goes beyond how healthy he is. I, I think it also, there, there needs to be this complete meeting of the minds over exactly what's expected when he's on the field. And, and how that's going to turn out. Because I think if you rush into that too much, I do think that, that it could get pretty disastery. Maybe I'm missing your point, but if you're saying the only thing that is missing with Kyler's game versus Josh Dobbs is the straight-ahead run game? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, there's different parts to, like, okay, and, and we can we can debate this. I, I Obviously, Kyler's a better passer, right? Sure. But... Are we saying then that a lot of these runs that Dobbs is doing, those probably go away, but then you just make up for that with the passing? Uh, I would hope so. I well, mean, I, I, I would I, hope so too, I, but... I would hope that, you know, the passer rating would be way beyond the 50s and oh, 60s. Oh, no, 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 no. Of course that. Like, I, I know there's that, but I just mean in terms of how you're going to operate this offense. Well, is it, is it going to look drastically different? Not drastically. To Danny's point, I think there will be more shotgun, maybe at least initially, perhaps. I agree with that. But, you know, Keontae Ingram also told us live on the air on the Big Red Rage that Kyler, as part of the practice sessions last Wednesday and Thursday, was checking at the line, was calling audibles, yelling at guys, get here, go there. Like He had a, seemed to have a real mastery of the scheme. And let's remember, you don't need to know the entire playbook. You just need to know that one chapter that you're applying that week for that particular opponent. So I don't think it's... Here's the other thing. Did zoom out a little bit. When Jonathan Gannon was asked last Wednesday upon announcing that Kyler would be back, 
he was asked, well, you know, how did you come up with the decision? He said, well, it wasn't my decision. Kyler told me. So if Kyler told the team he was ready to practice, why can't Kyler tell the team I'm ready to play? Am I hearing you correctly that you are on the same side as me, that thinking Kyler could play against the Ravens? Because if he's full go physically, because it's just up to Kyler now mentally if he feels ready to go or not. Okay, well, I will answer your question that you just made, which is why can't he just say I'm ready to play? Because Jonathan Gannon specifically said after he said that he told me, I think I was the one who asked, but I, somebody asked, like, is the same is that the same process for when he's going to play? And then Jonathan Gannon backed off and said, well, that's an organizational decision. That he, Obviously, he will have a part in that, a big part in that, but that is an organizational decision. So no, I don't think there is an option where Kyler says, I want to go play, and then it's that's a done deal. I think there's a lot more that goes into it. But do we know where the organization stands? Why? And I agree. Of course we don't. I agree. It's an organization. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not disputing that it's an organizational decision when he actually goes out on game day. But how do we know the organization isn't more than ready to see him? If he's full go and it's not going to get any better or there's any other clearances to achieve physically, then well, why, but, not, but see, why not now? Isn't, isn't that what we're arguing, though? That you guys keep saying if he's full go, if he's full go. I'm not arguing that he's that he's that he isn't physically ready the whole point of why you would right. want more practice time is to have more practice time it's why entire teams have training camp so no, i get it, 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 it but you, let's, you let's, can't you you can't sit here and say well he knows everything you don't know that i don't know that but that would be that would be why he wouldn't but, play yet but that's he my needs point more is, practice that's my point is under the assumption he doesn't know everything and he doesn't need to know everything right now is just what you need to know for this week and and be comfortable with that and the plays that he was watching and talking with offensive coordinator Drew Petzing of this is what I'm going to feel comfortable with this is what I like getting two two and a half weeks of practice of this really is what I do feel comfortable with this is what I like that's my point is saying does mm-hmm. he understand and have enough at his disposal of okay let's make a little bit of adjustment right he won't be under center as much as Josh Dobbs has been maybe as much as we like Kyler to be in a few weeks but he understands and feels comfortable with enough for him to go out there and put us in a position to win games. I, I guess for me, we've got, and everybody's different, but you've got Zach Ertz who had the back half of training camp and he had at least three weeks before he got on the field of practice. You had Garrett Williams who you gave three weeks of practice to before you put him back out on the field. I don't know why that would be different for Kyler Murray. In fact, I would think that out of anybody, he would be more likely to have more practice than a cornerback or a tight end. And so that 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 would be my argument right now. It's not a bad argument. I just like mine better. Hmm. I just I'm presuming though, as part of this process, and maybe they're just going to take it as as far as they can the whole three weeks. But if he looked really good in practice the first week. And he looked even better the second week in practice to the point where they're looking at each other saying, well, what else can he get out of this? With, without us removing the non-contact jersey, how much more is it to achieve in practice? Man. So let's go to the game. That's fair. But as we record this, he hasn't even started his second yeah. week of practice. Yeah. So A, that we yeah. don't know. And B, I know we, we... And oh, by the way... I know everybody keeps saying he had a great yeah. week of practice, but we don't know. Yeah. They're going to say that no matter what. Oh, yeah, he was terrible. And oh, by the way, you've scored 
25 points in your last 10 quarters and your wow, 32nd and second different. half scoring and fourth quarter scoring. That's and, fair. You know. Hey, in honor of the Ravens and the most recent Cardinals folk tales, uh, why don't you just go with the old Texas package that they used for Kurt Warner where he came out and ran the no huddle in relief of Matt Leinart once upon a time in 2007. Just create another folk tales just create a package I for like kyler by the so, way go check out that folk tales renaissance man about kurt warner yeah. and there's a new folk tales coming out this week bird napped it's really good check that out too follow the that's you know what that's that's our cardinals underground advice to the coaching staff because i know you know they're always looking for our advice on how to run things uh, just I, you paul and and the advice would be it would, would be to start josh dobbs but bring kyler in off the bench running the no huddle out of the shotgun and then if you're trailing going into the fourth quarter, just like Kurt Warner did once upon a time, you lead a furious comeback and you race down the field for a couple of scores in the fourth quarter. Or you could start Josh Dobbs and just bring Kyler out for a fake punt. <laughs> Is that an option? We had a dispute. Too soon? I'm going to test you guys on this soon, one. Soon, uh, soon. Was Blake Gillikin on the field for that? punt or not was he was the punter actually on the field at that point i would have to go back and look i didn't see it they were doing they executed that literally like i'm like okay this is the last series i'm gonna have before i go down to the field so they go to go punt and i'm packing everything up and then all of a sudden that happened and i'm like i'm standing up while i'm typing out the tweet about it because i'm like did i just see what i think i saw I knew tune through it. That's all I knew. Because all I know is that the defense, Seattle's defense, or at least punt cover team, was was punt return team, was not thrown at all. No. It, it was a defensive they, look. They had it totally covered. Yes. So uh, is that because they identified from the get-go, wait, there's no punter in the huddle, guys. This is going to be a regular offensive play. I, I don't Michael know. Wilson told me he was not the first read on that fake punt. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well... Uh, Which it, makes you feel better when it was fourth and nine and he caught a four-yard pass. Although what I thought of it originally when they first ran that was, remember Jeff Rogers told us a couple weeks ago, he's got hundreds of fake punts in his playbook. Well, Somebody asked him, like, what's in his arsenal? He did say hundreds. I'm not sure he has hundreds. I think Jeff might have been Darren having the fun. pessimist. Um, so, yeah, there we go with uh, that. As for Lamar Jackson and what he's doing this year, it was interesting to hear Nick Rollis say that he's never gone against Lamar Jackson because he's, in his words, quote, hiding out in the NFC. It's a good thing because Lamar against the NFC all-time is 16-1 and as a starting quarterback. So, I mean, there are some crazy numbers on what Lamar Jackson has done and is doing. And by the way, the Baltimore defense has allowed an NFL low seven touchdowns this year, and they lead the NFL in sacks with 29. Mm. So you want to go back to talk about why Kyler isn't coming back this week? Don't. But you know, once again, what do you? Is do you go against? No, no. That's do you that's, go, do you go against Devil's Advocate? Do you go against Cleveland's number one ranked defense? I don't like that argument. Uh, but, but, but look at Cleveland this last week. They gave up thirty eight points to the Colts. Right? They take it to the 49ers, but then Gardner Cleveland comes Minshew? out. Right. So. You know, we can all talk about, oh, geez, you know, on oh, paper, yeah. get your bingo card out. On paper, you know, this team looks like this, but they don't always play like that week to week. And to those listening, if anybody has the thought that Kyler, the soonest Kyler could be ready to come back would be against Cleveland, and the reason that the Cardinals would hold him out is because of Miles Garrett, that's not a good enough reason. I can promise you that if everything else is ready, they're not going to keep Kyler out of a game for the sole fact that the Browns have Miles Garrett on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and, and they might be scared of what he could do to him, that's not going to be a factor. Let's just hope DJ Humphreys does not get thrown out of that game, okay, when Miles Garrett is out there. 
because uh, that was costly. There's no doubt to see your franchise left tackle leave the field, and um, especially on a day when your number one rookie right tackle played yeah. pretty not yeah. good. Yeah, it was interesting to start the second half. Jesse Lucetta, who was not active, who was not dressed, was working with Paris Johnson Jr. on the bench before the second half kickoff, and it looked like he was reenacting what Boye Mafe had done the end of the first half, where he had a pressure and a sack took the Cardinals out of field goal range and Lucetta was you know ostensibly showing him look he's doing this and that and he's coming with this sort of long arm stab and you gotta he's trying to because it did look like Paris was off balance quite a bit in that game yeah and that's probably the first game it's it's looked like that it wasn't it wasn't a great performance by the offensive line as a whole it's not just on Paris and I think that you know, if you're looking for the glass to be half full the fact that we're getting this far in the season and this first time you're talking about a rookie right tackle not having his best game compared to what we have seen from him all season. The bigger picture, I'm I'm still I'm okay with that. All right, do we miss anything on this edition of Cardinals Underground? Anything else? Did you see any other you know Pacific Office automation uh, product placements anywhere else along the lines? That was well done, by the way. Um, you know anything else uh, we need to? No. Did you want to do anything with your props? No, I didn't. We've you never know, I used these here. props before. Well, yeah, no, they, I just thought you know in case people here, are so. wondering the Angry Bird Award. See, we only have one. I don't understand. Like Danny got mad at me about being on video and doing all these things. Meanwhile, Paul's bringing stuff in here we never see. It's like QVC. I'm you just want up me here. to have a problem I'm, with Paul? You're I'm upset selling, that I don't have a problem with Paul. I'm selling stuff That's up true. here. You'll, you'll have a problem with Paul soon enough. You know, Greeley was giving me a hard time because I don't actually give out a physical Angry Bird award every week to do a player. Do you want the Angry Bird? I name them, but I don't actually give them the award because we only have one. I mean, what sort of budget do you think I have? I don't have I don't have 17 of these. So you, you want know? the Angry Bird award? This week, by the way, it went to Garrett Williams, just to let you know. Okay, I guess so, that's a yes. There, you do you want go. the yes. Angry Bird award. And he'll be on the Big Red Rage uh, this coming Thursday night at Trophy in Chandler. So there you go. A continued cross-promotion here. Once again, address your camera as we say that'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.